Welcome to the Pineapple Couch with B Rob. I am B Rob, and today is June 18th, and this is going to be episode 29 of the Pineapple Couch with B Rob. Again, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And we also are on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us there where we'll be posting stuff, random sports polls, stuff like that. All right, today's going to be a little different episode of the Pineapple Couch. Um, it's, I'm going to be flying solo here. Um, we're going to see how this goes. We actually have a mailbag, which is going to be pretty exciting because I want to do this. So over the last like couple months, honestly, I've been getting questions for the mailbag. I didn't never got quite enough to do like a full podcast on it, but I think today it's not going to be as long as usual. We have a good amount of questions, and we're going to get into them. And um, again, if you want to send in questions to be a part of this mailbag, you can send them to me at my email, brianrobbins54 at gmail.com, or you can share it with me on Twitter or Instagram, as well as the Pineapple Couch on Twitter or Instagram. All right, let's get into it. Um, the first question we have is going to be from Jake. Um, and I'm not going to do last names because there's so many that I'm going to absolutely butcher. And so to save myself that embarrassment, I am just doing first names. So first question we have, and this is going to be on all sorts of topics, guys. Strap in. All right. We got, what do you actually think the Colts record will be this year? Playoffs question mark from Jake. So I'm assuming you're asking this because of my very outspoken love for Philip Rivers. I think the Colts are going to be pretty fucking good this year. I think they have um, a great offensive line, a great defense, and a good running game. And that's something Phillip Rivers has not had very much in his career with the Chargers. I mean, he's basically the last 10 years, or hmm, last about seven years of his career, he's had one of the worst offensive lines in football. So um, I do think the Colts are actually going to be pretty good this year. I mean, you have that division that is always so up and down. I know the Titans looked good last year, so they're going to be... I think when you talk about the AFC South winning that division, I think you're going to be talking about going like 10 and 6, 11 and 5, even with the Texans because they're kind of up and down. Like Bill O'Brien's a fucking idiot. As good as Deshaun Watson is, he lost Hopkins. And then I love Gardner Minshew and the Jags, but I think there are games to be won in the AFC South. I, I like the Colts' chances to win that division. Um, we've heard that Phil has already been arranging workouts for the team and things are going really well. And we've also heard Frank Reich, the head coach of the Colts, say that he views Philip Rivers not just as a one-year quarterback for them, as for the future. Obviously, Phil's older, so that's not like 10 years, but two to three, two to four years, he hopes to have Phil. And you can disagree with this if you want. I do not think the Chargers' problems last year were all on Philip Rivers. Sure, he didn't have his best year, but I still think he can be a quality starting NFL quarterback. And I just know with how cursed the Chargers are, I mean, there's got to be a chance that Phil takes the Colts to the Super Bowl just to, like, curse the Chargers, you know, um, like a Babe Ruth situation. But I, you guys probably won't like that I compared Philip Rivers to Babe Ruth. But, you know, what are you going to do? It's my podcast. Um, so, yeah, I think um, when you're looking at the Colts, to go back on that question, I think I see them around 10 and 6, 11 and 5 um, competing. I think who I think there might be uh, one of the wild card teams in the AFC is going to be from the AFC South because you have three solid teams, really, in the Colts, the Texans, and the Titans. And who knows what the Jags can do? Gardner Minshew magic, never count that guy out. So I'm gonna go with Jake. Uh, Eleven and five, ten and six for the Colts, and I'm gonna say like probably like seventy five percent chance they make the playoffs. Um, eh, that's probably high, sixty. All right, this one's from Luke. Who is your dark horse team to potentially win the NBA title? Okay, so by dark horse, I'm gonna rule out like 
Clippers and Lakers because I've been going all season. Every like two weeks, I think I changed my mind on who I think is going to win between the Clippers and Lakers. I think right now the rest, it really helps both teams. I don't think I've seen a lot of arguments of how the rest hurts the Lakers because they were like finally like in, in full swing and playing really well. The Lakers have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They'll be fine. This is good rest for LeBron, who already didn't have to play in the playoffs last year, so he's already a little more rested than he, we've seen him in years past. But also on the Clippers' side, Clippers have dealt with a lot of injuries this year. Their starting lineup, those five players have played um, very few minutes together. You'd be surprised, actually. Um, so I think this is nice for the Clippers because you're obviously giving Kawhi some time to rest, and he won't have to. Not that he was going to load manage in the playoffs, but he didn't have to finish out the rest of this regular season. And if you saw Kawhi at the end of the playoffs last year when they beat the Warriors, he was limping. So this could be, I think this is a, a benefit really for both the Lakers and the Clippers. My dark horse team to answer your question. So when you look back on the 1999 season, 1998-1999, the year after Jordan retired, it was a lockout year. And you had the eighth seed Knicks actually make the finals without Patrick Ewing. And you also had the uh, David Robinson, young Tim Duncan Spurs who made the finals and beat the Knicks eventually. And so what those two teams, why I'm bringing that up is because both those teams were relatively young. And in uh, the format that the NBA is going to be coming back, you're going to maybe have a lot of games and not as many days as you hope you're going to be playing maybe some back-to-backs I don't know exactly what it's going to be but it's certainly not going to be as spaced out as the NBA usually is because of the unique situation that we are in my dark horse team um I'm gonna go with the Celtics um they're young like I mentioned with those other two previous teams Jason Tatum um we've seen that was that two years ago when they almost beat the Cavs when he was a rookie and they didn't even have Kyrie I like the I like Kemba Walker there. I like uh, Jalen Brown. Brad Stevens is a good coach. I um, the reason I'm going with them is because I do think that there is a chance they could take out potentially the Bucks. Whereas in the Western Conference, I really don't see anyone who could beat the Lakers or the Clippers. I really don't. Um, I'd love to hear your guys' arguments if you think there's someone. I don't think Houston can. Um, I don't think Denver can, unfortunately. Even though, side note, have you guys seen the photos of Nikola Jokic? He is in, he's skinny now, so he's kind of like ripped. So maybe Jokic is going to be a different version of himself, a little more athletic, and that could help. But still, I don't think that's enough to take out the Lakers or Clippers. So my dark horse would be the Celtics because I think they there's a pathway for them to get to the NBA Finals. And I do think like just the, we've talked about this a lot on this pod, Jason Tatum can be the best player in a series or in a game. He can He has that scoring ability. And I would love to see um, Tatum matched up. Tatum and Brown going against LeBron or Kawhi and Paul George. Um, the Celtics would be my dark horse. I think I'm still leaning the Clippers to win, but Celtics definitely is the dark horse. That was a good question. Um, all right, this one's from Chris. Would you be into a 50-game baseball season? So this is one of the most more recent ones we got. Um, yeah, I would be into a 50-game season. I just want fucking baseball. Like, I'll take anything. I've been watching Major League Wiffle Ball for, like, four hours a day. And, like, weird variations of volleyball and handball on YouTube. Like, I'm just desperate for sports. Um, I will take a 50-game baseball season. Rob Manfred's a douche, and what they're doing to the players is fucked up. 
I mean, and they, the owners love to say, like, oh, wow, we're losing all this money. Well, it's like you're going to own the team for fucking 100 years, bro. These players are going to play for what? Like, the minimum. I mean, some of those guys are only going to play for, like, five years. And so this is their window to earn money. Rob Manfred is a giant douche, and he kind of he unfortunately has the players kind of in a shitty situation. The players can't really do much. Um, I think we're going to probably see some sort of 40-50 game season. I think it's a shame that they didn't I mean, I think they could have easily had a 100-game season. Like, I think the way that the MLB reacted to all the shit going on, they really dropped the fucking ball because, theoretically, they could be playing baseball in a week or two, or maybe now, because baseball is probably, what, the best sport by far for social distancing. Yes, we've already accepted that there are not going to be fans there, so we could have it anyway. I mean, look at the numbers on all the shit on TV recently, like the Tiger, um, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson. It was, it was off the charts, the ratings. So any sport you put on TV is going to do phenomenally well. And I just thought baseball, out of all sports, could deal with something like this, this unexpected virus, because of just how the game is. And you could socially distance the player somewhat. Like, really only have to have the ump, the catcher, and the batter wearing a mask if you're going to do that. So um, they really dropped the ball because we could have had a lot more eyes on baseball. And I know there's all... The whole argument of, oh, baseball's dying, we should change it. No, you shouldn't, because the people who like baseball like baseball. You should not change it, because then it's not going to be baseball unless people will like it. Baseball is great. It's a regional sport. And I just think that, obviously, the MLB will be fine. I'm not saying, oh, this is the the final nail in the coffin for the MLB. No, of course not. It's baseball. People love baseball. Um, but, yeah, I want a 50-game season. But, damn, wouldn't it have been sweet if we had baseball? The whole Baseball could have had the entire month of July. That'd be pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Oh, Jesus. This next question. This one's from Steven. Um, so, spoiler warning, if you have not finished the show Game of Thrones. The question is, what the fuck happened to Game of Thrones? See, Steven, I ask myself this question every single day. How can you take a show that through its first six seasons was... The greatest show ever. It was every time that you saw a big budget movie, sci-fi type thing, there was shit they had to leave out because of time constraints and yada yada. Game of Thrones was supposed to be the exception to that. Game of Thrones was telling the full story. If you look at season one of Game of Thrones and compare it to the first book, it is... It's very, very similar. Obviously, there's differences between the book and the shows because you can only show so much and books are so long, yada, yada, yada. But your question, what the fuck happened to Game of Thrones? Here's what I think. So at the start of season seven, that's kind of when shit went downhill because at the end of season six, you had obviously Danny arriving in Westeros and you had Jon being announced the king in the north. And so... From there, everything's just looking the fuck up. Like, it looks great. The show is, you have Euron and Cersei coming together, yada, yada. You have all these things. Obviously, the White Walkers are coming. And so one thing that was interesting I heard was George R. R. Martin, the author of Game of Thrones. He said that when season seven started, there should have probably been like five more seasons. What did the showrunners do? Well, they wanted to go make fucking Star Wars. So they did two shortened seasons. And obviously the product suffered. There's so many little things that went wrong with it. But like some of the beauty of Game of Thrones was um, when you look back on like season two, three, four, 
some of like the times where Arya and the Hound are traveling together, or John and some of his brothers in the Night Watch are just casually talking. Those casual moments on the shows that weren't like vital to like moving the plot forward, but it was great with character development, they kind of lost all that shit in season seven and eight. They lost all of it because they were in a rush. They should have had five more seasons. Season seven should have been about John and Danny, like what it was, coming together to fight the whites, you know? And then Cersei denying him. Season eight should have been John and Danny fighting the White Walkers. The whole thing. It should have ended with the Night King dying. And I love Arya, but that was not she was supposed to kill Cersei, not the Night King. Jon Snow was supposed to kill the Night King. And so that should have been all of season eight. So where they ended season eight, they we just killed the Night King, which was in episode three. Then in the upcoming seasons, you start to build Danny as the Mad Queen instead of just all of a sudden she burns down King's Landing. Because although I knew Danny was going to that point because there's so many hints in the show about how she threatens to burn down cities and she basically everywhere she goes kills the nobles and it's not painted in a negative light because she's freeing people. But when she comes to Westeros... It's not surprising that when she's denied, she results to fire and blood. That's what the Targaryens do. What sucked was that we just didn't get enough time to watch that, watch her descend into madness. And that's what was so great about Game of Thrones is that it took seasons to get things accomplished. Like you heard about Mance Raider in season one. I don't think you saw him until season three or something. That's what's so beautiful about Game of Thrones. And so them not doing that, Really, it hurt Danny because I agree that's where Danny was going. But you just kind of robbed her of some character development to get there because we still thought of Danny as very just and kind and good. And it was just all of a sudden she was bad. And even though we saw that coming, you need to give us more time. And so, obviously, them putting five seasons into two shortened seasons is going to make it suffer. There's just like a lot of the way the story ends, like Bran. Bran becomes king. Bran isn't in season five or six of Game of Thrones. He's just not fucking in it. So if he's going to become the king, you need to show that some more. And you need to explain what Bran's powers are. Because basically, from my perspective, and probably you if you watch Game of Thrones, Bran can see the future and just let Danny go burns down king, burn down King's Landing so he could be king. Like, what? And then maybe the biggest tragedy and all is just how they dealt with Jon Snow. Jon Snow is this generation's Luke Skywalker, Harry Potter, you name it. He is the hero. And he has been, at least in my opinion, the best character in the show, the most intriguing, him and Tyrion. But Jon was that guy who's going to kill the Night King. So what do they do? They don't let him kill the Night King. Okay. And then he has to kill Danny, which isn't something Jon would not do because him and Maester Aemon in the show talk about how duty is the death of love and love is the death of duty. So this has been foreshadowed with Jon because he even had to do it with Egret, the wildling he loved but then was killed when they were attacking the Night's Watch. So Jon killing Danny is not the problem. That, that kind of you could see coming, especially with some of the prophecies that are out there. I won't go too deep into that. It's just the way it happened all so quickly, and they only let Jon Snow say, she is my queen, and I don't want it, and they really kind of like put Kit Harrington in like a muzzle and didn't let him do anything that season. And then the nail in the coffin is that he gets sent, nor he's like banished north of the wall. Okay, there's no problem with Jon Snow 
going north of the wall. That's where he wanted to be, and that's where I believe his story was going. He didn't want to be king. He wanted to be north of the wall in the real north with tormenting ghosts where he really felt like he was at home. So I'm fine with him going there. But you're telling me that Grey Worm, the dude that... The, the dude, the slave from a different continent now who is the now basically holding King's Landing hostage with Tyrion and Jon as their two um, prisoners. And there's the Northern Army and all these armies. And he's the one who's going to say, well, you have to banish Jon. And then they're like, OK, yeah, we'll banish Jon, even though like 90 percent of the people who are at that meeting are literally loyal to Jon. And 20 minutes ago, they were saying how he should be king. And then. Um, Grey Worm, who I love, is a great character. He's like, I'm going to sail 400 miles away. So how does Grey Worm know if you're banishing John? I just thought that the rushing of the story, it just really sacrificed a lot of the great things of the show. And I still love the show, but it just sucks, 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 sucks how bad it ended. And I'm starting, I'm reading the books now because I need something else because I can't accept that sort of ending. So who knows if he'll ever re um, finish the books, but hopefully. So yeah, that's what the fuck happened to Game of Thrones. Um, let's move on to our next question. This one's going to be from John. Favorite MCU solo movie? Hmm. Man, this is tough. So you got Iron Man 1 has got to be in the conversation. Um, I love Thor Ragnarok. That one, I, I think I might actually go with that. But I also really love Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Hmm. Favorite MCU solo movie? Sorry, Cap. I mean, Winter Soldier's good, but... Okay, so I'm going to go with... um. I'm going to go with Thor Ragnarok here. Favorite MCU solo movie. I do love Iron Man probably more than Thor, but Thor Ragnarok, Taika Waititi, was just brilliant. Um, and in terms of favorite um, superhero solo movie in general outside of the MCU, I think, I mean, The Dark Knight is obviously like, is the cream of the crop. It's kind of in its own category, but kind of close to it, I would put is the 2003 Spider-Man 2 Tobey Maguire and when he fights Doc Ock directed by Sam Raimi watch that today it still holds up so well um okay next question this one's gonna be from Frankie who is the most underrated player in the NBA today and of all time hmm well this is clearly gonna be in my opinion because you asked me um the most underrated player in the NBA today so immediately I go to Clay Thompson because I always just think Clay Thompson. I just think Clay Thompson's perfect, and you can fit him with anyone. And um, but he is praised, so I don't. I don't think I'm going to go with Clay Thompson as the most underrated. He's definitely in the conversation. My most underrated player in the NBA. I'm going to go with Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's damn good. I think I put him at like 15 when he ranked the top players, and he's better than that. He's Jimmy Butler is a killer. He can he can be your team's leading scorer in a play in a good playoff team. He's a great defender, a culture setter. Mm, there's a lot of questions about his character when he's going through all that shit with the T Wolves and the Sixers, but I think time kind of told that how shitty of a situations both of those kind of were, and I think he's in a perfect situation now in Miami. So right now I'll go with Jimmy Butler and then Clay Thompson, maybe a second, probably forgetting someone, but for all time, damn. Uh, all time. Okay, so I'll give you four for all time because I can't choose. Like, okay, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like, the dude has six MVPs and like, does he six titles? I think yeah, he's six ships. I mean, I don't know 
how all of a sudden LeBron just was easily assumed better than Kareem. I know Kareem's kind of boring and didn't have a great, a giant personality, but when you look at Kareem's body of work, he's incredibly underrated. Um, another name that comes to mind is Jerry West. Uh, Jerry West, he's kind of thought as this just super old white guy, but damn, Jerry West could ball. There was a stat I saw the other day of the only players in NBA history to have 40-point triple-doubles in the NBA Finals, and you would remember LeBron James is one of those. The other one's Jerry West. Jerry West, also a very, very good NBA executive. He put together, he was worked on the Showtime Lakers. He put together Shaq and Kobe. He then created the grit and grind Grizzlies with with Marc Gasol, Zebo, And then he obviously was instrumental in the Warriors dynasty. He made sure they didn't trade Klay Thompson for Kevin Love. And he was apparently instrumental in the signing of Kevin Durant. Um, and then two others I'll just throw out there, um, underrated. Um, I mean, Isaiah Thomas, as much as I dislike him as a person, he was so fucking good. And I think he's just so universally hated that he's honestly underrated. Isaiah is was such a beast. He's two titles. He was the best player on both those teams. He is, he is a monster. Um, and I'll also, I mean, I always like to just throw Larry Bird because Larry Bird in NBA 2K20 speeds a 57. And that's a joke if you've ever seen a Larry Bird highlight. All right. Ooh, I like this one. This is a Chargers football question from Jack. When do you think Justin Herbert will take over starting quarterback for the Chargers? For the love of God, please be week one. Please. I don't... If we're going to play Tyrod Taylor all season, why the fuck did they get rid of Phillip Rivers? Put... I mean, I understand maybe you start Tyrod for the first two to three, but I want Herbert to get this develop. I want Herbert to play this year. I think that... um. I think, weirdly, your ceiling... Well, not weirdly. Your, your ceiling is higher with Herbert even in this season than it is with Tyrod Taylor. I just think that Herbert's... Tyrod Taylor's been around. He's not a bad player, but he's not taking you to a Super Bowl. And we don't know about Herbert yet because he's a rookie quarterback. So I say, you took this guy number six in the draft, put him in the freaking game week one or two. Uh, but what do I think the Chargers will do? I think they'll probably put Justin Herbert... They'll probably start Tyrod Taylor for the first six or seven games of the season. I don't know. I have literally no faith in the Chargers, but I love them. Um, early college football picks. Wow. Isn't it great to just think about college football and how that's going to happen? Ugh, I miss sports so much. I mean, what comes to mind immediately with this, uh, this is from Dan, um, early college football pick. I mean, you got Clemson and Ohio State. I think those are going to be the one-two going into the year. I mean, and not... I'm going to be basic. I think um, I think Clemson's going to win it all next year. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to put on a show next year. Not that he was bad this year, just a little shakier compared to the year before. Heard a lot more critics about him. Um, I think he's the clear number one choice in next year's NFL draft, and I expect Clemson to win it all. And now that you mention it, I might go put a future on that um, as we speak. Um, all right, here we go. This one's from Kyle. Couple more guys. Hope you're enjoying this. Um, are the Buccaneers overrated, or do you buy the hype? So the Tampa Bay Bucks, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, hell of an offense. Some great young players on defense. Do I buy in to the hype? Yes, 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 yes. I do. I think this Bucks team is going to go like 13 and three, 12 and four. Um, if you look at that division, it is a very good division. But I think Drew Brees is past his prime. 
He can't get the lift on the ball anymore. And then I think that when you look at Carolina, you got a first-year head coach. You got Teddy Bridgewater. I like Teddy Bridgewater, but I still like Tom Brady and the Buccaneers more. And then when you look at the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, who the fuck knows? The Falcons just flip a coin. They're either going to be really good or really bad. But I really like the Bucks' chances. Um, I think the Bucks have a very underrated front four on defense. Uh, you got that guy Shaq Barrett. Uh, I think, and I don't think Tom Brady looked bad last year. I thought he literally had the worst weapons he's maybe ever had in his career. And now you're taking him to a place where he probably has the second best weapons he's ever had compared to that uh, the team when they had uh, Moss, Welker, and all those guys. I really like the Bucks' chances. I'm going to say 13 and three, 12 and four. I buy the hype because, I mean, when you think about teams who were previously hyped, like last year, it was the Browns. And so it's like, oh, be careful of the hype. Like, they haven't proven anything yet. But I don't think that applies to the Bucs. You're talking about Tom fucking Brady, the greatest quarterback ever. I, I think you're stupid to count out the Bucs because why would you count out Tom Brady? Um, so, yeah, I do buy the, the Bucs hype. Um, this one's from TJ. Why the fuck do you like to bet on the Rams? This is like, I think, one of the older ones. I don't know, man. Give me a fucking break. I, I'm sorry. Sean McVay, he just convinces me that I should bet on him. And then when they lose and they're underdogs, I'm like, there's no way Sean McVay will do this. And it sucked. You know, it sucked losing constantly. Like, remember when the, the fucking Rams-Bucks game? That sucked. I lost so much money on that. But I like to bet on the Rams because I honestly, like, to answer the question seriously, I like to bet on coaches. And for the m most part, I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I find... um specifically in, in NFL coaching. And you, sometimes you die on that hill. Like, with I died on the Patriots hill a little bit last year. But, I mean, I had the uh, Chiefs-Niners Super Bowl. I think you got to bet on coaching, and so that's why I still don't count out the Rams because, yeah, they may have had a bad year, but I think Sean McVay is a great coach, and I still believe in Jared Goff. Um, all right, to the oh, Fuck this guy. This guy said, this is from Keith, Philip Rivers sucks. You suck, Keith. You suck. Fucking Keith. All right. Um, put some respect on Philip Rivers' name. All right, we got two more questions. Um, most underrated Stones album. This one's from Jeff. I do not think that's from my father. So whatever Jeff, other Jeff is out there. Well, actually, I know that's not from my father because um, my dad would not care for my answer on that. <laughs> um, most underrated Stones album. I would go, ooh, it's tough. Uh, it's tough. They have so many great albums. Um, I'd probably go Goat's Head Soup off the top of my head. You got songs like Dancing with Mr. D, 100 Years Ago, Winter, Angie, Do 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 Do, Heartbreaker. Um, and it, what it, why I chose that one is it's kind of, um, it's in the Mick Taylor era of the Stones. So like he joined in 69 and he went till 75. And I think it's a very deep album. It was actually recorded in Jamaica weirdly um keith had a studio down there some very interesting effects they had on the guitars and voice on that album but again i would i really like that album i'd go goat's head soup also an impossible vinyl to find and i have i pretty much have all the stone stuff but i can't find that one um so yeah i'd go uh goat's head soup and then um some others i would say i think um emotional rescue is a very underrated album by them and then uh, I mean, Baker's Banquet has sympathy. I don't think you can say that's underrated, but there's uh, some good songs on the B-side of uh, Baker's Banquet, such as like Stray Cat Blues, Salt of the Earth, um, Parachute Woman, 
some good stuff there. Um, all right. That has been this week's edition of the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. Uh, again, if you like it, make sure you can um, to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Maybe leave a five-star review if you're feeling generous. Um, thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week, and we're going to be uh, doing a movie review of The King of Staten Island. I don't know who I'm going to be doing with it yet, who, who I'm going to be doing it with yet, but I will definitely be doing it because I saw it twice, and I thought it was a great movie. So for the first time in Pineapple Couch history, I might give you guys some homework. If you can, check out The King of Staten Island sometime this week, and next week on the pod, we will be breaking it down. Again, thank you so much for listening. If you want to do more mailbags like these, just send me some questions. Um, Yeah, and that'll do it. Uh, Thank you so much, guys. We will talk to you next time.